like it's fine. I'm not I'm not broken. I function exactly as a Gabby, you know, um, and and I do my best to know myself so that I can communicate my needs and and how I operate with other people. Um, I, I find it important for me personally to be able to tell people what I need. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 205. We're Finn and Emma, and guess what? It's Monday! Monday! Monday bonus episode. (laughs) Are you going to keep saying Monday? I was going to let it echo. (laughs) Monday, 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 Monday. It's like a monster truck rally announcement. (laughs) Right? It's Monday, and we have a bonus episode today with Gabby. We have a powerful discussion with her around navigating relationships with multiple mental health diagnoses, as well as a incredible conversation around boundaries. Yeah, a huge amount of gratitude goes out to Gabby for reaching out to us, uh, wanting to come on the show and share her story and her openness and vulnerability around uh, the the diagnosis she has and how she navigates relationships is just incredible. And as you hear at the end, that her whole mission is really just let other people know they're not alone and give them a resource. Um, and so she even includes her email in the show notes, and it is open for people to reach out to her. Um, and just, yeah, a huge amount of thank yous yes. goes out to her for that. So thank and you, Gabby. Yes, thank you so much. And as you'll see at the end of the episode here, she also says that she wants to share more about her journey in non-monogamy. And so we wanted to give her that opportunity as well. So you'll see on Wednesday, we have Gabby part two. She comes back and discusses more of her journey. Yeah. And as as she kind of mentions, like the whole hope was to have a a little bit of a lighter conversation and not that this conversation is super heavy because as you'll see, she is very upbeat and fun to talk to, but the topics are a little heavier. And Wednesday is a little more of just her story and and all of that. So we're super excited about this week and the conversations we have with her. So you are in for a treat. Yes. Listen today and come back on Wednesday and continue listening. Yeah. Before we jump in, we have a couple of quick announcements. As usual, we'll keep them short this week because we can. We'll try. So the first one is a huge, huge, huge thank you to everyone in the Patreon community for your support and for helping us build an awesome, sex-positive, open-minded, supportive community. It's been huge for us this last two years since we started it. And we've got the dates on our website and on the Patreon website um, for November for the Q&A, for the men's call, for the women's call, and for any other stuff we have going on for the Patreon community. You can head to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, click on the Patreon tab, and you can learn more about what all of this is and how to join the community and find the links. Yes. The other upcoming events that we're super excited about are our meet and greets. We have a virtual meet and greet coming up tomorrow. That is 
Tuesday, October 26th from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern. You can, is there open to anyone? You do not have to be a Patreon member to join. If you've never joined a virtual meet and greet before, we highly recommend you coming to check it out. Actually, if you've joined, we want you to come check it out as well. But these events are uh, awesome. You get an opportunity to get into small breakout rooms and chat with a lot of different people. And we have people joining from all over the world. So come check it out. If you aren't able to make it this week, don't worry. We will have more meet and greets, virtual meet and greets coming up in November. To sign up for the meet and greet, head over to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the community events tab at the top, and you'll see a link there for virtual meet and greets. We would love to see you there. We're super excited about it. We have fun with these every month, and actually, we're going to start doing two a month uh, starting in November going through the winter. So stay tuned for that. And we'll see you tomorrow. Yes. We also have an in-person meet and greet coming up this week, Wednesday, October 27th in St. Petersburg, Florida. We would love to come meet you, have you come meet us, to meet you in person. Join us on Wednesday night if you're in Florida. Again, all information to sign up is on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and go to the community events tab. This is our last in-person meet and greet for the fall, but don't worry, we will have more coming next year. We're working on figuring all of that out, so stay tuned. More announcements coming soon. Yes, and we are super excited for that. Um, we're going to be at an awesome LGBTQ plus owned bar in St. Petersburg, and we're super excited about it. Yes. And we've got a bunch of people signed up already, and we're excited. Yeah. Did I, did I mention we're excited? We're excited. Along those same lines, if you're getting back out into the real world and meeting people, we would love for you to join us in being awesome sexual health advocates. The way that Emma and I do this is we get tested regularly for STIs. And the way that we do that is we use our favorite service, stdcheck.com. We've used a lot of different services over the years, and we found this one to be our favorite. Yes. We've been using it the last few years. It's fantastic. It's super simple. It's discreet. And it's affordable at only $130 for a 10-panel test when you use the links on our website and save $10. Yes. Also, using those links supports the show. They're an affiliate partner of ours. And so we would be just grateful to you if you use the links, support the show, and support the community by knowing your status and talking about your sexual health and sexual health strategies. <laughs> Sure. With with the people that you meet, because that's how we normalize this. Right. To find links to stdcheck.com, you can click on the, the links in your podcast player or go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and click on the resources button. While you're on our website, go to the contact us page, send us an email, send us a voicemail if you want to come on the show, give us some feedback, or just say hi. We would love to hear from you. And all of it is there, yeah, on our website. Yes. And we respond to every email, every voicemail. And as Emma said, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear how we're doing, what you think of the show. And of course, we'd love to have you come on and share your story. And with that, let's go talk to Gabby. Welcome to the show, Gabby. Uh, we're excited to have you here. We're just excited. Yeah, yeah. thanks for I'm, being here. I'm excited to be here. I've been a listener since you guys started. Like I, I listened to like the trailer ones before there was even episodes out that's wow i've known about you guys yeah i recommend you to anyone who's new like no if you have an issue like go find a podcast episode that'll address this because they have them wow, wow. i even forgot we made trailers <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> how did you even find the trailer? Now I'm curious. Um, so I listen to a lot of podcasts because um, I used to work in a warehouse and wear earphones and I listen to a lot of BDSM, non-monogamy, um, you know, Tristan Taramino, Dan yeah. Savage, you know, the usual. Um, so then periodically when I was caught up with those, I would just Google like new non-monogamy podcasts and it popped up and there was trailers and I was like, well, it's just getting started. I can get in, you know not have to catch back episodes so and you waited 200 episodes you just wanted I, to make sure we were gonna that we were actually gonna stick around it's more about me than you um All right. yeah, i didn't feel like i had enough experience or or cool stories compared to the rest of your guests so yeah the standard it's not you it's me I hear you. yeah I hear yeah you. i mean i continued listening you know creeping from the sidelines it's fine perfect well we're we're happy you finally joined us um, for anybody who, who's not familiar with Gabby, do you mind introducing yourself? And then we'll jump into the stories you said at the beginning before we hit record that you've got tons of them and we're excited to hear all of them. Yes. Um, so I'm Gabby. Um, that is my chosen name, not my birth name. Um, pronouns are she, her, hers. I am 37, married, identify as a relationship anarchist. Super artsy, bounce from, you know, art project to art project, um, and have been non-monogamous for 10 years. And that's looked different across the span of the 10 years. So, yeah, yeah, navigating um, non-monogamy while being someone with multiple mental health diagnoses has been interesting, to say the least. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're excited <laughs> to dig into everything. Yes. I was wondering if we could start, I guess. 10 years ago. 10 years ago, or even <laughs> a little before that. Had you, like, how did that, how did you learn about non-monogamy in the first place? Um, so, geez. Um, my, okay. So I have a, I was in a really bad relationship uh, when I was 17 until I was 24, um, got out of that, got into a better relationship, had to learn that better doesn't equal good. Um, <laughs> um, but while I was in that relationship, I had a friend who was in an open relationship and it was a very toxic open relationship. It was, um, they'd got pregnant in high school, um, stayed together for the kids. Neither one of them actually wanted to be with the other. So just like a really toxic setup. But the idea itself fascinated me because I understood why someone might want, you know, to have another outlet for relieving stress, especially as like a parent or, you know, someone who had the care needs that I did as someone with mental illness, like putting all of my um, struggles on one person and asking them to be my support system um, seemed a little tedious and, and unmanageable. So, um, when that relationship ended, the next person I was with, um, we had a sexually open relationship. Um, and I didn't even know the term polyamory at that point. So it was just, you know, you're allowed to do whatever you want to do. Um, I'm allowed to do it. And I didn't really act on it. Um, I have a lot of, I, yeah, still have a lot of uh, trauma issues uh, surrounding um, sexual trauma that I experienced in my first relationship and in childhood. So even having that open relationship, it was more in name only and in the ability to do things if I wanted to, um, which was very freeing um, as someone who'd been in very controlling relationships, having the ability to navigate 
and not feel like I was committing emotional infidelity or even physical infidelity because I really like to cuddle. You know, it's like, what is the line of like how much physical contact is cheating? You know, not being there was, was pretty fantastic. Yeah. So then, um, that particular person I was with for another six years and probably about halfway through it, I stumbled across the term polyamory at a, I was helping a friend set up a bisexual. I forgot that in my intro. I'm bisexual too. Um, (laughs) um, And I was helping a friend set up a bisexual support group at the local LGBT center. We were doing introductions. Maybe I should slow down. Um, and one of the women there introduced herself and she said, uh, polyamorous and open. And I was like, I get the open part, but what is that other word that you t- attached to it? Um, so after some research, uh, my partner and I at the time, uh, transitioned to a more polyamorous structure. And like, I had another partner for a while. Um, yeah. So that's how that went down. <laughs> so that's how you first kind of learned about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, yeah. Um, and that was probably about seven or eight years ago that I transitioned to the more, instead of it just being sexually open, like it was like all the possibilities were on the table. Like I could interact with people more authentically and didn't have to worry about arbitrary boundaries set by my other relationship. Like it was yeah. more about communicating in a moment or communicating like feelings right this minute, as opposed to like rigid relationship structures. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So just a really quick recap. It sounds like, like you were introduced to non-monogamy from like watching or some friends that were in a toxic non-monogamous relationship. <laughs> yes. And like, but you learned about it then. And then you met someone and you were in an open relationship, but it was more just the label at first. And it then was a theoretical, yeah. theoretical, theoretical open relationship. <laughs> yes. then tra- did that, and then that same relationship transitioned to a sexual mm. open relationship or was that a no- your next relationship? I, uh, so, um, when I discovered the term polyamory, I had another partner at the time that was both a sexual and romantic okay. interest. And yeah, you know, we all yeah. slept in the same yeah. bed and cuddled together and, you know, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. All and the then fun yeah, stuff. went down the polyamory <laughs> route. Cool. Uh, awesome. Yeah. And so how, when, when you, when you started actually in, in acting this rather than it was in theory, how did it, yeah. like, how did it look and how, how did it go? oh boy um so the partner i was with at the time um he at the time okay so this particular partner is trans was not out at the time so i'm gonna use they as a pronoun to describe it because at the time like it was a lesbian relationship but it it isn't because he is he um so they uh, were a little hesitant at first because of course you know you get emotions involved and like they wanted that reserved for them and you know after explaining that you know part of the reason that i enjoyed having an open relationship was being able to form other support systems that suited um the support systems i needed for my mental health as someone, um, like I have, I have multiple diagnoses, uh, bipolar, borderline personality disorder, PTSD and ADHD. So I require a lot of structure, um, and a lot of support that just, I don't want to put that on one caregiver. Um, and so like the sexual aspects were like, yeah, like that sounds like fun, but it still doesn't suit what I need out of an open relationship, which is more the emotional, um, support sides of it. Right. 
So, um, I'm pretty sure we spent two weeks in bed talking and crying because, you know, that's how these things go. (laughs) Um, and, and we worked through it and, you know, things got better from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're able to go down that route after like talking through it and reassuring each other and learning from each other and all of that. Yeah. Um, so they didn't really have any interest in dating anyone else at the time. Um, and it wasn't for another year that they, um, they actually ended up back with a former partner of theirs as well. Um, and, uh, so it was a little lopsided, but I think, Overall, it was relief for them that I had someone else to support and and it didn't fall entirely to them that they could like take a step back and say like, I need to take care of myself for a while. Can you please go talk to so-and-so about this right now? Like, are they available? So that was helpful. Right. Right. Are you comfortable sharing a little more about like what, like the multiple diagnosis you shared what they were? Are you comfortable sharing like, what that looks like, like in a, in a, in like a practical sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine with talking about any of it. Um, the trauma, any of it. Um, so for me, okay. So borderline personality disorder in particular is, is the touchy one as it applies to non-monogamy and stuff because it is, um, how do I describe it? Sorry. You might have to cut out a bit here while I find words. Um, (laughs) it is, I, I like to refer to it as the emotional equivalent of PTSD because most people understand PTSD, right? Like you have a trigger, you have an unreasonable response to this trigger that other people don't understand. Well, it's the emotional equivalent. So um, severe um, paranoias of rejection, abandonment, um, very strong, unreasonable emotional responses to what would seem to be very small stimuli. Um, and it's most often rooted in um, not bonding with your caretaker parent, so you don't have that initial structure of how relationships are supposed to work. Um, so, yeah, as that applies to non-monogamy, like, you know, the insecurity that comes with, you know, your partner being excited about being with someone else or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and then I have uh, the bipolar, which the depressed side of it, you know, I mean, most people understand depression at this point. It's fairly, <laughs> fairly well talked about. Thank goodness. Um, you know, that can be, that can be a burden, but the flip side is, is that, uh, the, the mania causes, um, erratic behavior and, um, impulsive behaviors and can oftentimes become confrontational or, um, how do I put this? Uh, it can become confrontational or careless, I guess is the word I'm looking for. So you don't put, you don't have a lot of the emotional energy that you usually would. Um, and you know, at 37, I'm much better at managing all of that and like making sure I have the proper medications and everything, but you know, I haven't always. And, and the science has evolved over the last 10 years dramatically. Mm-hmm. So yeah. 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 No, thank you for sharing all of that. It yeah. helps put some context into what you. Yeah, for sure. About. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it for sure. And, and so you, you laid in bed for two weeks crying with your partner. 
because you, did, you we really did <laughs> i no, felt hey, no so ju- evil <laughs> no judgment so so then you come out on the other side of the two weeks and you're you're open you're you're polyamorous yeah. Then what happens? <laughs> then what happens? <laughs> um, so shortly after that, um, I, I got a, a girlfriend, um, and it was another toxic relationship as I, as I have, uh, had a habit in the past of, of engaging in, which is also fairly common with people with borderline personality disorder is, is getting stuck in toxic relationships because of, uh, forming unhealthy attachments and, and fear of rejection and abandonment and all of that. Um, and, um, so then I wasn't sure for a while that I wanted another partner, you know, I'm like, okay, like, let's just go back to like the, the way it was before. I'm not really sure that, you know, I want to deal with, you know, I have a healthy partner now. And like, I thought I was over this toxic, you know, repeat of, of, um, relationships and clearly I'm not, (laughs) you know? Um, so yeah. So then I moved and somebody that helped me moved. I ended up getting with getting myself back in another not good situation. Um, and it cost me the original partner I was with. Um, it, it drove a big wedge and, um, yeah, we're still friends. Him and I are still really good friends. I actually talked to him today, so <laughs> it didn't it didn't drive enough of a wedge that we didn't talk anymore. But and and that relationship had kind of reached a like more platonic partners um, spot, anyways. Um, and that was just the final straw for it. Um, so then I was with someone for three years, who while they knew that I identified as non-monogamous. Um, they did not. And anytime the conversation came up, cause originally they're like, okay, like let's give it like six months of monogamy so we can establish our relationship and I can feel secure. And then we'll, we'll open it up and you can do whatever you want. And then after the six months, it was just give me a couple more months, just give me a couple more months, just for three years. And, uh, yeah. And then, um, I, ended up having a really bad mental health episode and seeking external support because I wasn't getting it at home and cheating. Oh no. You know? And then I realized that I had become a person that I didn't like because, um, I was staying somewhere that I was comfortable because, you know, it was the status quo. Um, and that I needed it. I needed to make some big changes for my life. And that's almost five years ago, right at five years ago. So yeah. And then things have, have gotten way better since then. Don't worry. No more sad stories. <laughs> okay. I mean, part of, part of these uh, interviews are to tell your story, all of them, all of it. <laughs> no yeah. more, no more toxic relationships after that. We're all good. We're all good. Well, Gabby, so, Gabby got healthy ones. Good. Well, <laughs> and so you were you were in this relationship, like you said, you you had said, I identify as monogamous, and they kept extending the deadline. Yeah. And you said, well, like you said, you cheated, right? I I'm, I did. You you said, well, I, fuck your deadlines. Not not that this was the right thing nope. to do, but you you basically went outside of that and. 
Yeah, I think that's it's really interesting that again, I'm not condoning it, but I just I find it fascinating that like you you put it out there and then when you're confined you're not able to do that and that's hard i mean i imagine it was hard on you as well not to not that you were necessarily the victim of this but like you were being forced into something you didn't want to do as well yeah so that's one of the the major issues i've struggled with uh, with the mental health stuff is the ability to set and enforce my boundaries um, so when you struggle with things like severe, um, fears of rejection and abandonment, like anything that might cause someone to push you away, like boundaries, um, becomes like just a terrifying, like fear. Um, so being able to be assertive and state my needs and, um, enforce my boundaries was not something I, I was good at. And they were very emotionally manipulative because they knew this about me. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was a rough time and, um, I got out. Uh, so pretty much as soon as, as soon as I cheated, like literally two days later, I was like, I'm moving out. Like I can't do this anymore. I don't like the person I have become like, this isn't even about you. Like, I don't like the person that I have become because of this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and they pulled the whole, we can have an open relationship. You can be with both of us. And, and I attempted it for like a month and a half. And then I was just like, no, this is, this isn't working. Cause you're still trying to manipulate me. Um, but during that month and a half, I got a lot better at enforcing my boundaries because I reached the point that I didn't like me and how I was acting out as a result of not having enforced those boundaries in the first place. So <laughs> Yeah. 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 I can, I can definitely understand that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah it, 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 it took me not liking myself. And that was the one thing that I could control is whether or not I liked myself, you know, whether other people liked me or not, or whether I liked other people or not was irrelevant. Like I have to like myself. Yeah. You have, I you can't have run control. away from me. <laughs> right. You have control over yourself. And when you realize yeah. that you don't like yourself anymore, you got to make changes to, yeah. to, to figure that out. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for sharing all that. I mean, that's, that's a difficult, right? That's mm-hmm. a difficult thing to go through, but it sounds yeah. like that was sort of your breaking point where you come out the other end, a, a different person in some ways. Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. I did. And yeah. so how, how has that looked since then for you? Yeah, you said the last five years have been much better. How, okay. how has that been? Um, so um, the person that I had, had used for an external support and ended up cheating with and then being with um, is who I'm married to now. Um, so we started it off open from the get-go. Um, it, he didn't have much experience. He, like, I mean, he was at the point in his life where he's like, I just want to date around. I like, I don't want to be stuck with anyone like, you know, like this old system of, you know, date to get married doesn't suit me. Um, so like we were just really good friends and then just, you know, things evolved and I don't know, like we never set out to get married or like, you know, even necessarily be long-term anything more than friends, but like things are so great. Um, we've had a great journey um lots of lots of life lessons um i mean there's there's been struggles there's been some some real like this could make or break us struggles um but 
there's a big difference in having someone who is fighting with you against an issue as opposed to fighting against someone else. And, you know, having someone in my life that was fighting alongside me to resolve things as opposed to someone I was having to butt heads with to maintain myself was a big shift. And it was actually very terrifying because I'd never had this. And I was like, well, this has got to be a fluke, right? Like every person I've ever encountered like, has tried to manipulate me to fit in their little box. And um, like, what's the catch here? You know, like when are you going to shift and like start trying to tell me what to be? And, and it was never that way. Um, like the feedback was always this action that you're taking doesn't support the person you told me you want to be. So either you need to let me know that that has changed or maybe you should look at this action, which is so validating for one, that they're listening and paying attention to me, you know? Um, and two, like that's a much healthier way to grow. Like then I can't fight you. Right. Like you're just saying like, Hey, <laughs> that don't match, <laughs> you know? Um, so Yeah. The last five years have been great. Yeah. What it's, What does your you said you you've been open the whole time? Are you, do you two practice more of a polyamorous style of relationship? Um, I just identify as non-monogamous most of the time. If people ask me, um, as far as like the um the theologies of non-monogamy, as I like to call them, um, a <laughs> <laughs> uh, relationship anarchy is probably closest to my style. Um. I say I'm non-monogamous and I practice swinging and, um, polyamory. Um, they're, they're two activities that I engage in and like my relationships are anywhere from like my husband and I having fun with another couple to like, you know, dates and, and people that I'm highly attached to that I use as an emotional support system, as well as, you know, potential sexual, sexual funds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, Back to you talking about with the borderline personality disorder, you struggling with like fear of abandonment and rejection and those things. How do you square those up in a healthy way with non-monogamy, right? Because you, maybe even if it's just a swinging thing, like those relationships may only last a night, right? Or yeah. maybe it's a week and then they're like, eh, you know, we decided we're, we're not a good match. And I could see how that could trigger that pretty easily and, and it and it it has um the more casual stuff hasn't been an issue um my long-term partner is the one that has has had to deal with most of it um anytime he's been interested in someone else um and i have developed a system and actually i share this system with anyone regardless of mental illness or not um and it's if i'm feeling a particular way and i feel like i need to act on this feeling um it's like a three-part like breakdown um, so I decide what my needs are and my needs have to be centered around me, not the other person. Right. So most often my need is to maintain my integrity and, um, not allow myself to be walked all over and, um, just be authentic to myself. Right. So this can't be like, I need them, this particular person to do this thing for me. Like that can't be a need. Wants can be. Um, I want my partner to spend more time with me. I want my partner to do this thing. You know what I mean? Like I, I, then the wants can 
can come into play. And then you, then you set your boundaries and your boundaries can be around your own actions, the same as other people. So like I can say, if I start to feel jealous or insecure, I am not going to disrupt his date. Right. Um, that is my boundary, right? Like I'm not going to interfere with something he has going on. We will discuss it when he gets home. So yeah, that system has worked pretty well for me because it allows me to rationalize what's actually going on and what I actually need, as opposed to just running with the feeling of fear. Mm -hmm. Um, so. Right. And so just to recap, you said that your three-part process, identifying your needs in that moment, well, first acknowledging the emotion that you're feeling, yeah. Yeah. identifying your needs in that moment, identifying your wants in the, that moment, and then setting your boundaries and sticking to Correct. Them. Yeah. And like I said, my boundaries can be, um, they can be like things that I refuse to allow other people to do to me, or they can be like boundaries for my own actions. Mm -hmm. um, like I refuse to act in this manner towards you know, someone. Yeah. And thank you for, for, I want, I don't say correct me, but your, your point of that fear of abandonment and rejection, definitely the, the example that you gave, right. If your long-term, your husband yes. is all of a sudden, let's say falling in love with somebody else. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's probably a lot more powerful than a couple you went on a date with decided you guys weren't a good match after dinner. Right. Like that's a yeah, much harder. Yeah. One. Like I'm just like, yeah, like I mean, it, it, it stinks and like I feel a little bit of rejection, but like it, I don't have much invested, you know, like, oh, that stinks. Somebody didn't like me. But yeah, like, um, so to give an example of, of the breakdown I was giving, um, I tend to get very intimidated by people that I admire. Right. So like if I think somebody's really awesome, like it's really hard to be like, there's no red flags like this person has like all of my strengths and none of my weaknesses and like why um so like that situation um when it happens and it has happened multiple times right like um, they're really amazing people and my and my husband is really lucky and he's met quite a few of them and and interacted with them on some way shape or form and you know and i want that for him right like i want all the healthy happy people he can possibly fit into his life um so like my breakdown will be like, what are my needs? Well, for one, my need is to feel safe and secure, right? Like I have a need to feel safe and secure, but that doesn't, he doesn't have to be the one to fulfill that. That's something I need to fulfill for myself. Um, I have a need to not interfere with his life in a way that causes him to have less, right? So like, that is very important to me to not take away from his experiences and his relationships. Um, so then what do I want? Um, I want to feel safe. Um, so maybe I can ask for some reassurance. Um, I want to feel, um, equal to other people. So like, maybe I will go interact with this person, right? Like usually, um, just by default, the way we operate is we meet people in a group. And I am an extreme extrovert. Like everybody's my best friend. So um, usually I'll just be like, oh, you're going to go see this person. Like I should see if she wants to go get coffee. Because for me, humanizing the other person instead of like, you know, they're, they're perfect and I am not. And like being able to say like, okay, like I have things figured out that they're still struggling with. And they have things that I'm still struggling with figured out. Like we can teach each other some stuff. Like this isn't just going to benefit him. It's going to benefit me also. Um, so, but then like setting boundaries of like, I'm not going to act out 
you know, like I'm not going to make him feel guilty for, for caring about other people. I'm not going to, um, try to limit his interactions with other people. Um, and then maybe having boundaries of like, I'm not going to let other people disrespect me either, you know, which hasn't happened. Like most, most people nowadays don't, I don't, keep those kind of people around very long <laughs> thank goodness but I have had to set that, those boundaries um like he he's had some friends that were from previous spots in his life where he he might have been a little less than healthy that like I was like you know I, I don't care that you're friends with them but like I'm not I don't trust them and you know I'm not going to be around that energy so yeah 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 well thank you for that I was one thing that I was just curious on when you say like one of your boundaries is you don't want to basically you don't want your emotions to get away from you to where you start impacting him in a negative way or having mm-hmm. less like that's like that's an amazing boundary to have in theory. How do you how do you do it when you start to like because if you're if you're it's so easy to spiral yeah if you're flipped, it is, like it is. How and, the, how and especially especially with the borderline personality disorder because one of the common symptoms is what they call splitting uh which uh the the common trope is i hate you please don't leave me um it is like this like everything is black and white like i love you i hate you i love you i hate you like oscillating back and forth um, and just overall, in general, for my mental illness, like, um, I have a mantra, it, which is feelings are liars. Um, like, support them with something. You know, they, they could not be lying this time. Um, but, you know, look at the data. You know, like, him and I have been together for five years. We've been through some really tough spots on multiple fronts, you know. And he's always had my back. And he's he's always, you know shown that he cared so like the data is there that like maybe i'm overreacting you know um and so uh like finding self self self-soothing things um i usually keep a list on my phone of like potential activities that'll help me relax um refocus um so that's usually how i try to handle it I, i wouldn't say that i'm always successful (laughs) um usually usually my idea of success is like waiting until he goes to sleep and then crying all night and then having him say babe i would have held you all night and helped you work through this if you had just trusted me <laughs> like, but i did but my boundary was not to let it interrupt your life and he's like that's not interrupting my life like that's what i'm here for is to show you all this love and support um you forgot your your need of feeling safe and secure here and you could have asked for this dang it like still don't got it right yeah but i think like that's super powerful that you share that right because i imagine there's people listening who are like well damn she's got it perfect and and like you're you're like all of us right you're on this journey to just do the best you damn can right and yeah my thing is, is like, I just assume that we're all bumbling around to the best of our ability trying to get it right. Um, and, and a thing that I always, um, cause people, you know, people always ask the question, like, what's one thing you would tell someone that's new? And I'm like, always assume that whoever you're interacting with, I don't care if it's a friend, family member, partner, metamor, your worst enemy. Um, never go into a discussion, assuming the other person is ill-intended. You can always change your mind later, 
but confirmation bias going into something when you've already decided they are not having your best interest and are out to cause you harm is not going to help resolution. Um, so like having to like manually override my, um, my neural pathways that tell me that everyone is out to cause harm is a challenge, but that, but that's when like, you know, like, okay, like I'm going to assume that they're just a human bumbling around same as I am. And, um, they didn't actually mean me harm. It just happened. Yeah. You know, right. So even, even, um, cause it's really easy when you have mental illness to put all the blame on yourself as well. You're like, well, it's just my mental illness. Like I'm just overreacting. Well, and sometimes it's not. And that's why it was hard to enforce my own boundaries is because if I'm accepting all of the blame all the time, because I'm overreacting, then how can I say you're in the wrong? Like we need to resolve this. So assuming that you have a right to your own emotions and that the other person was not maliciously intended is is real helpful and a struggle yeah. still like i can say all these things and then i'm like thinking of like the last month like oh geez i've had so many breakdowns i shouldn't even be talking right now <laughs> but, but the, the fact that you're willing to like come on and say all of that and then also like admit hey like the like i've had all these breakdowns i'm trying my best here and i'm trying to navigate this and you you recognize all of these things about yourself and like like that's that's a major step like that. We're all just trying to do the best we can. Um, well, and you know, and I can track, like, it's funny. Cause like, well, one of us will start beating ourselves up and I'll be like, yeah, but like, look at where we started five years ago. Look at where we were a year ago. Like, man, we've both gotten so much better at utilizing these tools that we knew existed and, you know, crafting them to meet our own needs um, more and more every day, you know? Like I learn more every day about how to deal with myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and I don't want to like just focus the whole episode on this, but something you've said a few times was sharing kind of how you got into this with your husband was like, you wanted somebody that wasn't just a fuck buddy. You wanted to be able to sort of, you didn't say burden, but spread the emotional burning find labor. emotional yeah, support yeah, the emotional the, the labor. labor around yeah and um, how do you how do you do that for even for somebody who's not necessarily dealing with what you you're dealing with to do that in a, a healthy way so you're not just like looking around being like this person could handle some of my shit like i will put some on them and i'll put some on this one and i'll put some on that one and then it's not all on my husband like how do you do that in a in a healthy way that allows you to then have a, a healthy relationship that's not just <laughs> Um, that's a two-way relationship. That's a two-way relationship. Yeah, that's a two-way relationship. Um, I think that um, learning to identify how you function when you're in a state of stress. Um, so I figured this out pretty quickly. My husband is a fixer. Um, and I am one of those, um, the, the meme that goes around, this is where you're going to sit down and cry about it, or you're going to get up and do something about it. And the meme is, well, first of all, I'm going to do both. That's me. I need to get my feels out. I need to feel sorry for myself. I need to feel like the world sucks and I need to cry and then I'll get up and do something about it. Um, so while he challenges me and provides a lot of structure and a lot of help, sometimes not getting the emotional 
whatever baggage out, like crying the catharsis out so I can actually focus on solutions um, has been an issue for me. And so like knowing that that specifically is something I need. So I need someone who's first response to me being under stress and freaking out is going to be like, Oh, let me give you a hug. It, it'll be okay. Like you've got this, like just cry about it and then we'll work on it. Um, people tend to fall in one or the other camp. And so like having that balance of like, yeah, I do need him for solutions and, and, you know, a second set of eyes and, you know, the more rational, you know, this is what needs to be done. These are the steps we need to take uh, kind of things. I also need somebody who's just going to be like, it's okay, Gabby. <laughs> so I think that especially if you're, if you're intentionally building a support system, knowing what you need from those support systems and what they potentially have to offer that is incentive to them. Right. Um, so that they get the feel goods from helping you in the way that feels authentic to them and you get the support that you need. Because asking my husband to not fix things immediately and sit there and cuddle with me, like he's just going to get fidgety. He's just going to fidget because he already is like spinning wheels of how to fix everything. <laughs> Quit looking at me, Emma. <laughs> Yeah, I may I may be married to one of those fixers. <laughs> They're real handy. Like they, I, they are. They have, you have a lot of amazing qualities, but yeah. sometimes <laughs> can't fix things. Yeah. Some things so cannot be all, fixed with all the easily, love in my heart. Especially. Yeah, yeah. So so that's why like having a diverse support system, like different viewpoints, um, different um, nurturing types, because being a fixer is a nurturing type. Um, but it's not necessarily the first step of nurturing that I need, mm -hmm. um, when I feel overwhelmed or panicked. Mm -hmm. And, and when you are able to communicate this in, in a healthy way, I imagine that allows you then to give your gifts back into the relationship rather mm -hmm. than just taking. Correct. Yeah. So also part of that is like asking them what I contribute that they need. Right. Um, is helpful for me feeling useful, um, which actually helps establish a high level of security as well. Um, because, um, I come from a large family. I did a lot of caretaking of both parents and siblings when I was younger and, it is very much in my nature to want to feel useful. And um, so knowing um, what you're offering a particular person, you know, um, is helpful for establishing a sense of security as well. So I'm, I'm offering them a sense of security and a way of interacting with me by saying like, you know, like, I really love it when you do this thing. It makes me feel safe and secure, right? Like, I love it when you help me solve my problems. You know, I love it when, uh, you know, I'm having a bad day and like you, you reach out and like, make sure that I'm okay. And like, are very comforting. Um, and then, and then asking like what it is that you're providing that they needed for support so that you can continue doing that. I find to be helpful. Like for me, it's just, it just should be part of the communication. It's one that I most definitely need. Well, right, because then it allows you personally to feel like you aren't just taking, but you right. also have something you're giving back in and you're not just using somebody else for, 
like we kind of said earlier, not just like it's not a one way relationship. Because that doesn't feel good to you either. No, it, it most definitely doesn't because it makes me feel like a burden, which which amplifies the fear of rejection and abandonment. Because if I have no use here and I am just taking all of your resources, eventually you're going to get tired of it and go away. Um, so it is imperative that I feel like I have a reason for being here. It's like I've gotten so much from your show. So um, I'm part of the reason I'm very vocal about uh, my mental... Um, my mental stuff is because like, I'm, I know I'm not the only person going through it. Um, and if there is any bit of my struggle and like my moments of self-loathing and self-hatred and me having to learn to love myself and learn to appreciate what I offer the world that I can like show the broken pieces to someone else and they can make some use out of it. <laughs> like, you know, like that's, that's, that's the thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I can't so, so admire your, I guess, courage to, to be so vocal about everything because I mean, as we know in this, like in the world, in the country, in this country, in the world too, like, especially mental health issues just are not talked about the way that they should be. And just honesty about the, like, that they exist and that how to navigate things and strategies and, and that you're going to probably fuck things up. And, but like, that's part of being human, but talking about it and being vocal about it at least helps people not feel as alone in trying to figure these things out. Um, Yeah. I, um, I have found that the more vocal I am, the more people are likely to come to me. I have people that I've never met. Like I, I maintain an active Facebook presence and I'll have people friend me and like, I'm forever sharing like mental health stories or like today is actually a uh, world by a uh, borderline personality awareness day. So it's like sharing stuff today. Um, and like, I'll consistently have people messaging me like, the stuff you share has really helped me. Like, do you have any like tips? Like, will you talk to me? And I'm like, I absolutely will talk to you. Like, I don't have any answers. I don't have any answers. I have a toolbox that I've developed over 20 years of, I mean, I was lucky. I was diagnosed at 17. Um, I've spent over half of my life developing all of these tools, but like, I know people that are diagnosed in their thirties and forties that like, are like, I've screwed up so much of my life because I didn't realize this is why I was acting in these patterns. And this is why I was, and, um, you know, and like just the feeling of, of guilt and regret and stuff that they, that they go through and it sucks. Yeah. It sucks. The mental health, the mental health, um, stigma really does suck. Like I said, like depression now, like people understand it, but like things like ADHD and borderline personality disorder and bipolar come with so much stigma, so much stigma. And we're just people bumbling yeah. around like everybody else with <laughs> right. brains that function in a different manner. Like it's fine. I'm not, I'm not broken. I function exactly as a Gabby, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I do my best to know myself so that I can, communicate my needs and and how i operate with other people um i i find it important for me personally to be able to tell people what i need um and 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 this doesn't even just reply to apply to relationships like uh working regular jobs um i currently run my own business but like if i do go in the work sector like the first thing i do is sit down with my managers and be like i struggle with anxiety and 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 
if I have a, come to you and say, I'm having a panic attack, this is what I need from you, right? Like, don't ask me what's wrong. I don't have an answer for you. Ask what you can do to help. <laughs> like, so like enabling people to help you because it's, it can be a hopeless feeling when you're watching someone struggle with it and you don't have any tools to help them. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people that come and ask me questions are, are struggling with, you know, friends or, ch- you know, children, parents, siblings um, that have just gotten diagnosed. And they're like, I don't even know where to start supporting them you know like i want them to feel loved but especially with the borderline personality disorder like it's so hard you know like our our childhood neural pathways that were developed have taught us that people are unreliable and and will abandon us and and we're not going to get our needs met and so we have to isolate and protect ourselves so you know it's really hard to unlearn those behaviors and you can never completely unlearn them it's hard to let them get overgrown a bit. So that's not your go-to anymore, (laughs) you know, um, at the very least, like create new, like trip wires that feed it different information. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you for that. And I think one of the things that like, I would love to circle back on is you have gone on to, like you said, Gabby found some healthy relationships. So you've gone on to, let's say, be successful at this, at least since, (laughs) since roughly five, six years ago. Right. (laughs) And so like when you're sharing or when you're meeting somebody new, I, cause I imagine there's people out there who are, who are relating to what you're saying and being like, well, I'm fucked. Like I'm never going to meet anybody because as soon as I tell them this thing, they're going to be out the door before I can even, you know, finish my sentence so how how do you go about like talking about that with people and then like just where like are you finding people on tinder or field or just out in the world like how do you do this in a way that has been so successful for you um so it's only been successful for me very recently um like I've dabbled several times and then, yeah. And then things like fall apart pretty quickly. Um, for like, not even because of my mental health, but I was going to say, that's not know, unique other, to you. That's no, just polyamory no, in general, right? They in their life or like things yeah. just didn't work out or, or whatever. Um, I found a group of people that was already like very integrated and, um, Gabby integrated pretty well. <laughs> Yay. There's like five in this group of varying, like, I always say, because people are always like, what are you looking for? And I'm like, well, I'm not looking for a job position filled, you know? It's not like I'm looking for something in particular. So uh, my response to that is always, I'm looking for friends, preferably with a high level of sexual tension that I'm free to explore. <laughs> but the like friends it. part yeah. is the most important. Uh, the friends part is the most important to me um, because that's the basis of of where I'm going to get my support from. Um, yeah, I just prefer to meet people in real life. I'm I'm an extrovert. Um, I've never met a stranger in my life. Um, my friends always joke when we walk in a bar that like our group's going to triple by the time we leave. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> most of my social groups, I am the organizer and I am, I am the, uh, 
common denominator. Um, yeah, I had a thought and I was going to say it and now I forgot. <laughs> That's okay. Okay. Do you want us to give you a second to think of it or do you want us to? No, 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 keep going. If it pops back up, I'll, I'll either throw it in randomly and say it's the ADHD or, you know, I'll just let it go and it wasn't important. Perfect. Perfect. We'll, we'll, we'll leave this in then because why not? Let's why keep not? it real. Why not? Keep it. I am fine with whatever. I, I'm, Perfect. You know, the nerves are gone. Like I can't embarrass myself. So it's fine. I am unembarrassed. <laughs> I, I take over, I take over my dad's embarrassing stories. I'm like, no, 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 I know this one. And I can tell it with more flares. Let me tell my own stories. <laughs> yeah, that happens frequently. They can't, they can't embarrass me. Good. That's a, that's a powerful Skill tool. Yeah, and tool. That's a, that's yeah. a powerful defense tool. I like that. Yep. Yeah. Well, speaking of your dad, are you out to your family and and your non your non non monogamous friends? Uh, yes, I am very out to everyone. Um, I don't interact with my parents. I disowned them about two years ago. Um. So, but they know they've known for forever. Um, I'm one of those people that as soon as I figure something out, like everybody knows. Like, oh, look at this cool new thing I just figured out. Um, <laughs> um, and I have this habit of of um, I don't think the people that are in my life should be introduced in conjunction to me. So if I show up to family gatherings with one, two, three people, it, it, it's it's anyone's guess if they're just there as friends or if they're my partners or, you know, I don't, I don't introduce people in conjunction to me if they are present. Like I might refer to someone as like, I give my, my people strange nicknames. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when I'm telling stories, uh, because I don't, because some of them are not out to a lot of people and, and I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't ever know who I'm interacting with that might then see me with this person like, like, oh, that's the person when she said that name that she was talking about. So everybody gets weird. You know, I got my boo thing in Texas. I got, I got my D and D date, which means dinner and dick for the record. It's not the game. Um, <laughs> it sounds like a fun game. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's my, uh, yeah. I go over there for dick after work, but after working eight hours, um, you need to feed me first. Otherwise I'm not going to have the energy for it. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I see no flaws in that plan. No, no, no. Uh, and then let's see. And then I have Unicorn Girl, and that's that's you know it's, its own inside stories. And Mister Thrifty, because you know one of our favorite things to do together is go thrifting. Because I cosplay, and, and he just loves to go thrifting. So yeah, but yeah, I'm very out um, to everyone. Like I'm, I'm much like my mental illness. I don't think that living in a closet suits me for one. And um, if I have the capability of being out and loud and and explaining things to people, and, and I'm such an extrovert, and I scored high charisma stats, so people listen to me. Like, if I can use this to help make the world a little bit easier for other people, why not? It doesn't hurt me any. Like, <laughs> I don't care about people's opinions of me unless I actually care about you as a person, because I don't even know what your core values are in conjunction to mine to know that I should care about your opinion. 
you know, like who you want to be as a person is probably vastly different than who I want to be as a person and get on with your bad self. But your opinion doesn't mean much to me and how I interact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a valid and great. I mean, that's nothing. There's nothing wrong with living that way. <laughs> what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The, when you go out and date and meet people, how do you keep yourself, I guess, safe, both sexually and physically safe in those environments? <sighs> physically safe. I don't really go on. A, I haven't up to this point gone on a lot of random dates with people that I didn't already know. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I, I usually meet people in a social group and have a good feel for um, who they are. Um, if Which I in do, and of itself is a good strategy. Right. Yeah. Um, I have gone on, on meetings of various, I mean, I, I model, so I frequently meet with photographers that I've never met before. And so I assume that the strategy would be similar to that. And that is to give my husband, for one, I, he always has access to my, my location through Google maps, um, for multiple reasons. Um, and, uh, so I'm like here, like, I'll have my phone on me the entire time. Here's all the contact information. Here's where I'm going to be, um, this sort of thing. Um, as far as uh, sexual protection, um, I, I, other than my husband, I'm not fluid bonded with anyone else. Um, so condoms are, are standard fare. Um, and I tend to avoid people who have an issue using condoms because that probably means they're not being safe and, you know, condoms have limited, you know, I'd like to know it's, it's, it's like face masks, right? Like the more everyone wears them, the ha- healthier we all are. Like the more you're using condoms with everyone else, the less chance I have of getting something. So if you're not, then this is like a small barrier. <laughs> well, that's um, a super, that's a super valid point, right? Like if you have to like argue with this person to use a condom, that means that they're probably also putting up that same fight with everybody that they yeah. like. So just because you convinced them doesn't mean that the last five people were able to. Right. That's a, yeah. that's a, that's a insightful thing. I had well, not and if they're unwilling to use protection, um, it also for me brings up like, well, when's the last time you've been tested? Cause you clearly are not taking your safety seriously. Um, even if you have been tested, are you being honest about it? Because again, you seem to not care about my boundaries concerning safety and, you know, just doing what you want to do is, is paramount to you. Um, yeah, one of my one of my people. It's always funny because he he always talks about uh, Mr. Thrifty for the record. Um, he always <laughs> talks about he always talks about. He's like, yeah, like when I came out to my sister, like the first thing she said is be safe, and he's like, dude, that's my favorite toy. I'm not gonna let anything happen to it. <laughs> 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 you best believe that thing's going in a protective wrapping. Um, <laughs> That's a great response. (laughs) And that's what I thought. I was like, man, that's, that's going to be a line from here on out. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And Uh, now it's on a podcast. And now, and and now it's on a podcast. He'll be pleased. (laughs) He's he's waiting for my interview to come out so he can listen to it. Um, (laughs) Fair enough. Well, we will do our best. Mm -hmm. Um, So, well, I think you said you've started from the beginning and you told us, unrecorded, but I'm going to call you out that you haven't listened to all of them, just that you started from the beginning. We're not hurt by that. (laughs) Nevertheless, 
I try to go back and listen to old ones, but at this point, I've listened to some of them multiple times, and I'm sure I'm missing some. Of them. <laughs> no, right. you're good. Right. We're not. We're not offended. My 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 buildup was to you know about the blooper question then. So one would hope, think, hope, I hope, that you came (laughs) with at least one blooper to share with us tonight. I don't know that it's a blooper. (laughs) Bloopers. Um, Shucks. I mean, once I I had someone try to come on my face and they shot it up my nose. (laughs) That was probably the most unpleasant (laughs) blooper ever. What you know, though, is somebody's kink, right? I, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Um, <laughs> Just surprised you in the moment. And they're going, that's not funny. That's my thing, man. <laughs> um. Oh, God. So probably the funniest thing that's ever happened to me. I, uh, it's, it's, I don't have any, like, crazy, like, big stories because, you know. I don't know. I haven't had a lot of like group interactions. That's on my bucket list. I actually have a big swinger club trip with a whole bunch of friends planned. And we got an Airbnb with a hot tub and a swimming pool. And one of the rooms conveniently has four queen beds. And we're like, so did they know that we were planning an orgy or? Yeah. Right. How did they know this? Um, Yeah. So, um, no, probably the funniest thing that ever happened to me is, uh, oh, geez. I said I couldn't tell any embarrassing stories about myself. This is probably the most embarrassing story ever. Um, <laughs> We're delighted. I'm ready. I, uh, I um, had an orgasm and I farted at the same time and vibrated the person's balls. And then they said, well, thank goodness I have mud flaps. <laughs> And you said you didn't have a blooper. That's perfect. That's amazing. That's so human. That's so human. Like, yeah. right? Like, like, yeah, it, it does. It does. Um, and it's. <laughs> and I loved his reaction, too. <laughs> thank goodness I have my flaps. I go, thank goodness. Like, it's funny because, like, it's now, like, for me, like, a little more like, oh, God, did I really do that now than it was in the moment? Because in the moment, I'm like, oh, that was funny. (laughs) Oh, God, this is not the kind of story that, you know, classy women. I've never attempted to be classy in my life. But this is not a story that classy women tell. (laughs) (laughs) But you want to know how many women out there and people in general, not just women, people in general that's happened to? (laughs) A lot. I'm sure. I'm sure a lot. I'm sure a lot. But yeah. I'm feeling I'm feeling obligated to join in this blooper. Okay. Oh, yeah. Tell, tell, do tell. Be- because I have I have a funnier uh, not funnier and maybe an equally funny response to this happening. So it happened to me. Uh, I was the one who committed the party foul, but and I felt horrible. And the and I was talking to her afterwards. Like it wasn't me. It wasn't. It wasn't Emma. <laughs> a couple of hours later, and I was like, I was still feeling bad. I was like, I'm so sorry. And she's like, Well, you know, I almost did it back just so you weren't alone. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, Well, that would have been an interesting tactic. That's so great. That's so great. But nevertheless, I was I was alone. Yeah. 
in that instance. So, yeah, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a thing that's happened. That's a conversation I've had with somebody. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> but wow. the situations you that, find yourself in. That is amazing. Well, we all find ourselves in, I should say. <laughs> yeah, I, I think a couple of things. One, wanted to give you the opportunity to share anything we haven't talked about. I know we've talked about a lot of amazing, powerful things. Um, and we wanted to give you the opportunity to share anything we didn't. But before we did, I wanted to maybe give one sort of disclaimer here. Okay. For, for somebody listening who's saying, I struggle with a lot of the same things that that you've mentioned, Gabby. To not jump to the conclusion that you have all the same diagnosis. And maybe if you would be willing to talk a little bit about getting diagnosed and the difference between, oh, sometimes I get anxious or sometimes I overreact versus like, this is an actual diagnosis. Cause I don't want people listening to this yeah. and, and, and turning it off and then walking away thinking they now have borderline personality disorder or, yeah. or maybe they do, but maybe they need for to sure. find may, for sure. maybe how, what, what should someone do in that situation? What would be, okay. you'd recommend? Um, I think everyone should have a therapist. Um, for me personally, having someone that I can just go unload everything that I'm thinking and feeling that my personal life and what I'm thinking and feeling doesn't affect them. Because um, no matter how supportive any of my friends or partners or family members are, they're closely tied to my outcomes, right? Um, like if my husband's trying to support me, like he's closely tied to his attachment to me and, and you know, wanting to maintain that. Um, so it's hard to be neutral. So I, I really think everyone should have a therapist, even if you have never had a diagnosis in your life. It's just a healthy thing to have. Um, the world is stressful and like having an external viewpoint, um, especially someone with experience and, and the education um, to walk you through things and teach you some new tools. It, it doesn't matter if you're like the most mentally healthy person there is, there's still a high level of benefit to that. Um, most therapists um, would recognize a lot of the symptoms and like what's just healthy stress responses because, you know, panicking if your partner is, is experiencing a high level of NRE and you're not getting the attention that you're used to is a perfectly natural response. You don't need borderline personality disorder to freak out because things have shifted. Like that's a normal human response. Um so, um, yeah, like when I'm talking about the symptoms, I'm, I'm talking about like panic attacks that are so bad that I feel like I'm choking on my own pulse and like something is grabbing me by the neck and, and like severe physiological symptoms, vomiting, like all kinds of stuff. Um, just stress response to something small, right? Like really small. Um, yeah, never self-diagnose. Um, for one, diagnoses are a mixed bag. Um, a lot of people, especially with the stigma, find a diagnosis to be limiting, and then and then they think that they should behave in specific ways. So especially if you're self-diagnosing without someone helping you with the tools um, to cope with things, uh, you really are just locking yourself into a set of expected behaviors, which is going to limit your growth dramatically. Um, 
yeah, I mean, I think professional help is, is the best way to go about it. I know you guys usually talk about resources, so I'm probably getting ahead of myself, but there's currently a book available that's really helpful for people um, that are struggling with attachment issues. Um, and it's called Polysecure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I say it's it's a re- it's a really good book. We're um, actually in the I, middle of reading it. <laughs> it's so good. Um, so I had seen attachment theory, and and none of it explained it as well as she did. And then not only was she explaining the overall attachment theory, she was explaining it in a non-monogamous context as well, and about how like you can have different attachment styles with different people. You know, like, like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me, you know, whereas like I have five years of rapport with my husband, you know, like we have a five year relationship, like somebody that I've been in a relationship with like six months a year and, you know, meets different needs that might be um, more sensitive or something um, like if they're the, nur- you know, the nurturing factor and then like I feel a, a pullback um it might be more devastating or you know cause me to want to push away or get clingy so yeah I, th- I think that professional help is is always good and 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 I'm not saying that everyone should you know immediately go start getting medications and you know I think therapy is is probably the best thing to start with hands down well, I appreciate appreciate that and the resource because it, yeah yes. it's, a, it's a fantastic book and and just thank you for for covering that a little bit because i that was one thing i wanted to make sure that people didn't turn this off and everybody now thinks that <laughs> yeah. that this is them <laughs> that, they, that they have all these diagnoses yeah right. yeah that's always the struggle that i have with sharing things is i'm like i i don't want people self-diagnosing because then you're getting what I view as the benefit of like being able to work through things without the resources to actually work through things. Right. Um, so yeah. Um, NAMI, N-A-M-I.org is a really great resource for anyone who um, wants to understand mental illness. Like they give breakdowns of, of everything and if they actually offer caretaker classes. Um, so for people that are struggling with family members or things, um, they, they're a huge resource. Um, it's, it's the one that I use. Like if I have someone that's like, well, I don't understand what this means. And I'm like, I've tried using my own words and it's not working. <laughs> um, here, read this. Uh, and, and it usually helps people understand a lot better because they do a really good job of breaking everything down. And they have, they have a lot of good resources there. Awesome. Well, yeah. we'll definitely put links to all of this in the show notes. And thank you again for all of that. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to share before we, did you have something? Else well, yeah, no, I just, I, I, exactly that question, because I think I'm almost feeling like we just spent the whole time focusing on this and I, I don't want that to be your necessarily your experience talking with us. Like, I know that is a part of your story, but that's, that is not who Gabby is. And so mm. I don't want you. <laughs> that's only a small part. <laughs> right? I have a big personality. Like I'm <laughs> it's important for me to talk about it, especially in this context, because I, I think there's not enough conversation about it. But no, it is not even close to my identity at all. Like it's it's a puzzle piece of of the gabs. Yeah. Well, I guess we will maybe leave the ball in your court. Would you like to talk more about the rest of Gabby now, or should we do Gabby part two? And three and four. 
let's do a Gabby part two. Um, sometimes talking about the more serious things, it's hard for me to then switch modes into, you know, other parts of Gabby. So Perfect. Yes. It makes sense. (laughs) I think I think we're we're very grateful for your vulnerability and your your transparency. Um, is there anything that you like I must question that you that you do want to talk about before we let you uh, get along with your evening tonight? Not necessarily. I, I hope everybody just gets to experience all of the all of the beautiful things. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, go ahead. So they will, yeah, thank you so much for everything again. I can't wait for Gabby part two. <laughs> we'll come back and, and do more of that. And we so appreciate you being, like Finn said, vulnerable and transparent about everything. Uh, we hope that this is a wonderful resource, helpful resource for people out there. And uh, yeah, excited again for part two. Yeah. And um, like, I know, I think you guys put contact info, like my email is open for anyone who has any questions or needs any support. Like I, I'm have gotten really good at enforcing my boundaries around what types of support I can have offer that don't so that I am not negatively affected by it. So absolutely. If people need resources or just need somebody to talk to, okay. you know, perfect. Absolutely. Well, we, we will put that in the show notes and everyone just heard you say it. So <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you for that. That is hugely generous. Um, and thank you again for coming on and for everything. Yeah. It's been amazing. Yeah. Have a wonderful rest of your night. All right. Thank you. And we're back. A huge, huge thank you to Gabby for coming on and being vulnerable, sharing your story, and you know, being willing to really talk about some topics that can be difficult and challenging. And we appreciate it so much that you're willing to be so open and helpful to other people out there. Yeah, and we're excited to again talk to Gabby on Wednesday, so stay tuned for that. It'll be available in just like 48 hours. Yes, two days from now. The other thing is we are super excited to meet many of you this week at our virtual meet and greet Tuesday night, that's the 26th, or at our St. Petersburg, Florida meet and greet on Wednesday night, the 27th. We'd love to meet all of you and we can't wait. Yeah, ways to sign up again are on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the community events tab and you'll figure it out from there. We believe that you are smart enough to make that happen. And with that, we will see you all in just a couple of days for the second part of Gabby's conversation with us. Yeah, Yeah. we're excited. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.